you're taking notes or if you want to take notes, you can pull out your phone. Go to Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah chapter 1. And uh, when you turn there, give a honk when you get to Nehemiah chapter 1 in your Bible. I want to title this message, Coming Out of Quarantine. Coming Out of Quarantine. How many are ready to come out of quarantine? (laughs) Ready or not is here. And several states have began lifting the restrictions, not just Oklahoma, not just Georgia, but states across America are beginning to lift the restrictions and allow people to step out of their homes and step back into their businesses. And there's a gradual reopening of our economy, a reopening of churches, a reopening of of several areas. And how many are grateful that we're headed in that direction? Okay. I, I know my wife and I are. We got four little kids, and and uh, we're, we're grateful to begin to step into that. But I know there's also people who are afraid, people who are nervous, people who are curious about what's going to happen. And I believe the Bible speaks directly to what we walk through in this life. I, I don't think there's ever a season that happens in any of our lives where the Bible doesn't have something to say about it. So right when all of this started happening, God just began reminding me of stories and scriptures in the Bible that directly connected to what we were facing. And then this last week when our governor announced the lifting of of, uh, the restrictions on May 1st and our mayor uh, also made that same announcement, and then we started seeing it across other states, I said, God, okay, what's the word in season for the church right now? And I heard God say, it's time to come out of quarantine. And coming out of quarantine is gonna look different for each of us. But each of us have an important part and purpose in this next season. And I can't help but think about the story of Nehemiah during our time because it's such a powerful story on what happens when a city is shaken, when a nation is shaken. Right now, we've got three billion people that have been in quarantine, three billion plus people that have sheltered in place worldwide, countries all over the world. And certain countries are starting to lift the restrictions. Certain countries are still in that, coming to an end maybe in mid-May for some, uh, some in June, some in July. But I I started praying about this word of coming out of quarantine. And so I want you to go with me to Nehemiah chapter one, because this was a man um, who was watching all kinds of trouble happen to the place he was born in. It was his nation. He was serving in another country. So he was an immigrant and yet he started hearing rumors about his homeland, his home country, that it was in ruins. The economy was shaken. The walls were shaken. Businesses were shaken. Families were shaken. Marriages were shaken. Children were shaken. Schools were shut down. All kinds of bad stuff had been happening to his hometown. And and watch what happens in Nehemiah chapter one. We'll just go into uh, verse two. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men And they began to tell me what was going on to the Jewish people, the remnant that had survived the exile, and what was going on specifically in the hometown Jerusalem, which was the capital city, the main city for Israel. And they said to me, those who survived the exile, in other words, there was people who died. God understands the pain that our world has been going through because since the beginning of time, people have died from various diseases, various problems. I had someone reach out to me this week and they said, how do I have faith in God in the middle of this? How do I trust in God? And 
it, you know, I've heard some people say that maybe God was the cause of this or that God did this to people. And I said, no, no, no. When you read the Bible, God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil, but God is a good God. And what the devil meant for harm, God's going to turn around for good. And, and, hey, if you believe it, give a honk tonight in the parking lot. That's not my opinion. That's the Bible's words. But God allows us to go through trouble. God allows us, you know, there's, there's a, we live in a fallen world and oftentimes we wish that pain would never happen to us and God never promised a pain-free life, but he did promise to be a shelter for us in the middle of pain and, and storms. And so I, I shared this with this person. I said, I truly believe that God is going to turn this thing around and he's gonna use the church to be a light in the darkness. He's gonna use the church to bring hope to the hopeless. We're seeing this in Tulsa with 175,000 bags of groceries given away to people that are in need from this church, from your generosity, from your compassion through the Tulsa Dream Center. That's amazing. That's a, if you wanna give God praise right now, 175,000 bags of groceries, meals. Come on. And then on top of that, to have 8,000 people get saved, 8,000 people getting saved Every single week, hundreds and hundreds of salvations. That's amazing. Yeah, give God praise for 8,000 salvations. It's amazing. The unprecedented impact that churches are having online, not just this church, but churches worldwide, having this impact online. God's going to turn this around for good. But I think it's important for us to look at the story of Nehemiah. Here he is. He's hearing these reports that there are survivors. I'm looking at a group of survivors here in the parking lot. I'm, I'm preaching to a group of survivors that are watching online. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I just felt goosebumps go down my back right when I said that. What if we survived this season? What if you survived for such a time as this? Everyone who survived the exile would be used by God for a purpose after the exile. You didn't survive just so that you could eat another meal. You didn't survive just so you could honk your horn one more time. You survived because God has a purpose and a plan for you to rebuild the walls that have fallen. You are part of God's plan. You are part of God's purpose. You are uniquely designed for such a time as this. You could have been born in the 1900s. You could have been born, uh, or in the, or you could have been born and alive during the early 1900s. You could have been born and alive in the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, uh, in the Bible times. But you were born and you are alive for such a time as this in 2020. You survived because God has a plan and a purpose. God wants to use you in a unique way. So Nehemiah is listening to this report and they're saying, Nehemiah, there's people who have died. There's people who've gotten sick. There's people who didn't make it during exile. They just, they lost hope. They weren't able to press through. They didn't get the vaccine. They didn't get the medicine. There's people who died. And they said, but there is a group that has survived and they are waiting in Jerusalem and they are feeling so disgraced right now. They've lost jobs, they've lost hours at work, they've lost friends, they've lost loved ones, they've lost hope, and they're in trouble, Nehemiah. Let me tell you this, when you hear bad news, you respond two ways. You either respond with a sense of sadness and sympathy, or you respond with compassion. Sympathy is to feel something, compassion is to do something. 
Sympathy is to say, man, I feel bad for those people who lost everything. I feel bad. But compassion says, God, use me in this hour to be the help that you need to the world that is broken and that is bleeding. Lord, use me in this hour. That's what Nehemiah did when he heard the pain. He heard the suffering. He allowed it to sink in. Have you allowed what's gone on in our world to just sink in? I've had some moments where I was so busy during this whole time taking care of the kids, taking care of the services, the church, people, that I, I, I wasn't pausing to really reflect. And then it all hit me. About a week ago, I was sitting down and I was just reflecting on everything and I just started crying for people. I mean, I've cried through this thing, but I really started crying. I just, I just started thinking about 30 million Americans right now that don't have a job. I started thinking about so many marriages and families that have just stepped into a new season of stress and trouble. And I'm such a faith guy and I wanna speak positive, but sometimes you need to give yourself permission to grieve what's going on in our world right now. You cannot walk by faith if you can't face the facts. Faith is big enough to face the facts. Faith has to look at what's going on and get an institutional reality to say, this is not God's will. This is not God's will for people to live in depression, for people to live without hope, without a purpose, for people to just uh, uh, not be waking up and, and knowing what to do with their life. God has a plan and a purpose. And so I, I just began to grieve what was going on. And that's the birthing of a vision. The birthing of a vision happens when you face the pain that's going on. I'll tell you this, some of the greatest visions that we've ever seen come to pass came during a tough time. They came when people were facing tough times because tough times really do reveal character and it really does produce a vision. It births a vision. I think about people in, in, in the 1700s, 1800s in America that started to birth a vision for what this nation could look like. I think about Abraham Lincoln facing the, the trouble, the turmoil, the, the sadness in his heart towards what was going on in our country. And he was alive for such a time as that moment in history. He was a Nehemiah to, to bring healing, to bring hope, to set the captives free in our country. This is an hour where God is wanting to birth a fresh vision in the church. And this is not a time for us to shrink back, for us to just, you know, make TikTok videos and do puzzles and have a fun time and forget that there's millions of Americans, there's millions of people in India, there's billions of people in the world that are dying right now. And the church is alive with a Nehemiah generation, a Nehemiah spirit for such a time as this. It's time to come out of quarantine for brothers and sisters around the world to rise up with faith, to rise up with hope, to rise up with compassion. So Nehemiah, he hears this. And as he hears it, it says he wept. He sat down and he wept over the things that he had heard. And then he began to fast and pray. Can I tell you that fasting and prayer, private prayer produces public power. Private fasting produces public freedom, produces power that God gives you when you begin to pray and you begin to fast and you give up things that you would want that your flesh craves. God begins to birth a vision. God begins to birth a revelation. God begins to show you the strategy. He begins to show you the resources, the people. So Nehemiah, he began to pray. And when there's a vision, God always has the provision. Don't ever be afraid when God begins to birth a vision. How many of you would like to have a fresh vision for this fresh season that you're in? 
Me too. Me too. You know what I've been praying? I've been praying, God, I, I am so happy with what you're doing in our church. But I want to see even greater. I, I, want, us to, I want to see a greater impact that as we come out of quarantine, I believe God's going to grow this church leaps and bounds in many different ways. One of the things that I am praying is that we would work with entrepreneurs in our city and business leaders who have visionary mindsets and faith and that together we would get every Oklahoman that is out of work back in a job better than they had before. I'm believing God that the church, yeah, this, listen, we're not just here to help your spirit. We also want to help your entire life. John said, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in good health. It is God's will that man and woman, that both men and women would live a life of purpose and significance and hope and make an impact on their world. You cannot do that when you're living constantly in poverty and when you're living constantly in discouragement. God wants to lift your head. God wants to lift your life. God wants to use the church to lift a city, to lift a nation, to lift a world back up on its feet again, to rebuild the walls that have fallen, to rebuild those things that are in ruins. So God was birthing this in Nehemiah. He was saying, Nehemiah, I don't want you to just have a great church service. I want you to change the economy. I want you to rebuild Jerusalem. I want you to have an incredible impact on your nation that business leaders, secular, and those who don't even care about God would know that there is a church that cares about the entire well-being of their city and their state and their nation. You could give a man a fish every day, but once you teach a man to fish, he'll never ask for fish again. And this is what we've got to do, church. We've got to figure out ways in this hour to be like Nehemiah. So Nehemiah began to pray and he got a vision from God. And he was a man with, with uh, he was a man who took action. He was an activator. He didn't sit around. He didn't wait 12 months. It said as soon as he was done with his fast, he went straight to the king. And he was a man who was under authority and he was working as an immigrant in another country. So he went to King Artaxerxes and, and he was a cupbearer. And he went to the king and he said, I was so afraid. He was writing this in his journal. Sometimes you just gotta do it afraid. If you're watching online and you're afraid to go out and you're afraid to go back to work and you're afraid to step into that next season, that's okay. Nehemiah was afraid too. Peter was afraid too. But you can do it afraid. You can overcome that fear with courage. You can open the door. You can walk out of the house. You could take a step towards victory. You could take a step towards freedom. You could take a step towards helping other people in this hour. So Nehemiah took a step towards the king. While he was still afraid, he moved forward. Just say that with me. Take another step. Move forward even in the fear, move forward. And he went to the king and he said, King, there's a reason why I look sad. It's because the city where I'm from, the place where I'm from, has been buried and lies in ruins. The gates have been destroyed by fire. The walls have been torn down. The people are feeling disgraced. And the king said to me, what do you want? And I hear God saying to his church right now, what do you want? I hear God saying to Jeremy and Tara, what do you want? I hear God saying to Tom and Nicole, what do you want? I hear God saying it to Bruce, what do you want? I hear him saying it to AJ and Ryan, what do you want? 
And you are the only one who can answer that question. But I know what I want. I want to see our world on fire for Jesus. I want to see our world alive. I want to see the greatest revival that's ever happened in the history of the church. I want to see it in my lifetime. I want to see this parking lot, that parking lot, and the Mavie Center parking lot packed with cars coming to Jesus. I want to see everybody who's poor be given a job and working and a house. I want to see those who are in desperate need to be fulfilled and satisfied. I want to see marriages that are broken be healed. I want to see addicts set free and no longer addicted to those old habits. What do you want? What do you want? What is your wall? What is your Jerusalem? What is your vision? What is God doing right now? COVID-19 is a time to really go back to the drawing board and say, Lord, as I come out of quarantine, I wanna come out with a fresh wind and a fresh fire and a fresh vision that brings glory to you. As we come out of quarantine, let's come out with compassion. Let's come out with vision. Let's come out with passion. Let's come out with eyes on our neighbors and not just eyes on our phones. Let's come out with ears listening to the cries of the people around us. Let's be aware of what's going on in our world and not just consumed with what's going on in our own life. Nehemiah was a man on a mission. He was a man who cared about the welfare of all people, especially his country. They were the ones who were hurting the most. And so Nehemiah asked the king, he said, I'll tell you what I want. I wanna go help. I wanna be a part of the solution. I don't wanna just talk about the problems. I'm tired of listening to a billion podcasts that just talk about all the problems and talk about all the issues and all the political opinions. Let's be part of the solution. That's what we're doing at Victory. We're not just putting out podcasts of opinions. We're being the solution in this hour. We're being the solution in this hour. We're raising a flag of victory in this hour. Victory over the virus. That's what God wants us to be a part of to not just talk about the problem, to not just curse the darkness, but to light a match. So Nehemiah said, can I go and help? Nehemiah was not a pastor. He was not a missionary. He was not a preacher. Nehemiah was an architect. He was an entrepreneur. He was a businessman. He was a strategist. He was someone who didn't know how to preach a sermon, but he knew how to cast a vision to get workers on the wall with hammers and nails and swords out fighting in the army. This is an hour that God is going to use marketplace leaders. God's going to use businesswomen, businessmen, entrepreneurs. It's no longer about the stage. It's no longer about the preacher. It's no longer about the you have a microphone. It's all about, God is shifting the focus. God is going to use you in this hour the way he used Nehemiah to rebuild walls that have been broken. You are called for such a time as this. God's gonna use some of you to employ 500, 600 people in this city. God's gonna use some of you in this parking lot to launch new companies. God's gonna use some of you to invent new things that the whole world will use. And it won't just be so that you can have more money in your bank account. It's going to be so you can be a greater impact for God's kingdom. You're going to feed the hungry. You're going to clothe the naked. You're going to help us launch the next dream center. You're going to help us launch the next church campus. You're going to help us get home groups across the city. God wants to use business leaders, strategists, entrepreneurs. He wants to use visionary people. 
And I believe I'm speaking to some visionary people tonight in this parking lot and online. So when Nehemiah asked permission, the king said, not only will I give you permission, but I'm going to give you any resources you need. I believe God's going to give you divine favor in this hour. For those of you that own a company, for those of you that are still working for a job, a company, a job, I believe God's going to give you favor with your supervisor, favor with your manager, favor with your boss. Nehemiah's boss said, I'm going to pay you while you're gone working for this other country. I believe God's going to give you so much favor that your boss, your manager, God, you're going to know that had to be God. God's looking out for you. God's looking out for you. Come on, if you believe in the favor of God, give a honk tonight. So Nehemiah, he had favor because he was walking in the ways of God. Favor doesn't come just when you do whatever you want to do. Favor comes when you get in alignment with God's purpose for your life. Favor comes, you can't earn God's favor, but you can position yourself for God's favor. Favor is unmerited. In other words, you can't pay for it. You can't, you can't do enough good things, but you can position yourself. And when you position yourself, this is what Nehemiah did. He positioned himself for favor with people, with his boss, with Jerusalem, with the land he was living in. He had favor because he positioned himself with prayer. He positioned himself with private prayer, private fasting. Prayer internalizes the burden. Prayer deepens the ownership to be a part of the solution. Prayer insists that we quiet ourselves and we hear from God. Prayer infuses you with God's vision and not just your idea. Prayer initiates the favor of God when you choose to obey what God says from praying. So as Nehemiah began to pray, his prayer was positioning himself. As Nehemiah walked with courage in the midst of fear, again, all of these were leading to the favor he would have. And then the king said, I'll be with you. I'll sign a decree. I'll pay for it. I'll give you resources. And when Nehemiah went... The people, they were so disgraced. Nehemiah walked around the wall. He saw all of the pain. He saw all of the trouble. He saw all of the difficulty. And they said, why are you here, Nehemiah? He said, I have been sent by the king to be an answer to your problems. That's powerful. I've been sent by the king. Just say this with me. I've been sent by the king to be an answer to the problems in our world. I've been sent by the king to be an answer to the problems in our world. You've been sent for such a time as this. You've been sent. This is your mission field. There's people all around you in the city that need help right now. And the world is fragile, sensitive, open, and ready for the gospel. Nehemiah would go on to rebuild this wall in 52 days. Here's the crazy thing. There is no mention of any physical miracle or even a personal salvation that happens in the book of Nehemiah. No blind eyes are open. There's no day of Pentecost. There's no Lazarus that comes out of the tomb. But God does something miraculous. And if you're reading this book and you're looking for something specifically that's supernatural, you're going to miss what God is doing. Because what God does through a group of people that are committed for such a time as this, I believe this is a church that's committed for such a time as this. When that remnant came together, those survivors, they said, we are going to get this thing open again. We are going to rebuild. We're, gonna, we're going to develop immunity in community. 
Did you know right now that scientists and the doctors, they said our only hope is herd immunity. And our only thought that that could happen is as states begin to reopen, there will be people who are courageous enough to begin to walk down the streets. And those who are able to walk with immunity, they can spread it to others. They can develop a community immunity. That's our only cure as we wait for a vaccine. I believe that this church is poised for a community immunity. And I believe that God's gonna use this church as we come out of quarantine to bring, an, to bring hope, to bring a vaccine of compassion, to bring a vaccine of victory over the virus. Come on, if you believe it, give a honk tonight. You know, they're, they're starting to talk about how they, they've now come to maybe a, a new medical cure. They're not for sure, but there's this new thing they're trying out. They're starting to see people respond to it. I believe that every day, as, as, as we continue to move forward, as we move forward, I believe that every day we're going to hear good news. We're going to hear good news from doctors. We're going to hear good news from leaders. We're going to hear good news from churches. And I want to be the person that focuses on the good news in this hour. I want to be the person that focuses on what God is up to in this hour. Can we can we make a plan as a church that we're not just going to listen to the good news, we're gonna bring the good news. We're gonna be the good news. We're gonna be that solution in the middle of the problem. I've been sent to be an answer to the problems. As Nehemiah would continue on, there would be distractions. There would be enemies that tried to stop him. There'd be people who made fun of him. There'd be people who challenged his motives. You're just doing this to make money, Nehemiah. You're just doing this because you want attention on yourself. But Nehemiah stayed focused through the whole mission. You know what God's been speaking to me, Paul? Don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Stay focused on the mission. I'm staying focused on the mission. I'm standing on the wall and I'm staying focused on you and I'm staying focused on God's calling on our church and I'm staying focused on the great commission that we are here for such a time as this. We've got to choose that we're not going to let our ears and our eyes get distracted in this hour. There's been times even in the last few weeks where the enemy has just tried to distract me. How many have just felt that, that, that like just those little temptations to get offended, to get distracted, to get frustrated, uh, or to eat, feel like you got to defend yourself to people all the time? When you know what God's calling you to do, you don't have to defend yourself to anybody. You just stay focused on your mission. You keep doing what God's called you to do. As Nehemiah went, Nehemiah had favor. Everything that God promised in Nehemiah's heart came to pass. I believe that God is birthing a vision in you tonight, even as you're watching, as you're listening tonight. I believe that God is gonna bring that vision to pass. You know, we're looking at this building that's being built right now. And this is the future of our Bible college over here. I don't know if our camera can just span over there so the online church can see it. This is where Bible college students, teenagers, that's our future youth group building. Our teenagers are gonna be in there. And you know, they're saying that during this time, there's, there's really this need for kids and teenagers to develop this herd immunity, this community immunity for the future generations. And I, I believe that what God has in store in this building, in this parking lot, in your car, in your home, 
that God is raising up future Nehemiahs. God's raising up Moseses and Joshuas and Caleb's. God's raising up Esther's in your minivan right now. God's raising up Deborah's. He's raising up Mary's and he's raising up Peter's. He's raising up all kinds of different leaders that are gonna go and change the nations. I know for Ashley and I, during this quarantine, we've been looking at each of our kids and God's been giving us insight and just wisdom on how to handle their moods, their attitudes, and even to see the prophetic calling on each of their lives for Liam and for Benny and Mac and Ellie. And I believe that God is going to use your kids, your teenagers. If you're a teenager, you're a kid out in the parking lot tonight, if you're a child, I believe that God has such a strong calling on the generation that's coming up right now under the age of 30, under the age of 20, even under the age of 10. I believe that each of those age groups are gonna do mighty things. They, they are surviving this season with their parents, their grandparents, and I believe God's going to do something powerful in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on. Hey, listen, as we get ready to close tonight, I guess my final thought is this. We could choose fear or we could choose faith, but I believe that this church has always chosen a path of faith, no matter what we face. So as we step out next week, we might be the only church that steps out. And I'm okay with that. I was on the phone with different pastors. They said, well, I think we might start on May 17th. We might start on May 24th. Some pastors said, well, we might start the week that victory starts. Some pastors said, well, we we might start June 2nd. Sometimes you just gotta take that step of faith. And I understand if you feel like you need to watch online, but I just feel like it's time for us as a church to gather again. And I believe that we're gonna do it next weekend. And I, I'm just, I'm speaking by faith. <laughs> Thank you for those honks. I believe that God is gonna use our church to meet the needs of so many people. And I told Ashley, I feel like I've been risking my life every week that we do what we do. I feel like AJ and those that have been serving at the Dream Center, we've just been risking our lives. But if you're not willing to risk your life, you're not really willing to live. And I just feel like we've got to get on that that mindset that, listen, you know, Jesus gave it all. And I think there's wisdom. We've done all the wisdom. We've done all the practices. We've worn gloves and masks and the social distancing. But I believe it's a time now that we start moving forward with a new narrative in this season. And even doctors and scientists have said, you know, you can't shelter in place forever. And so I just wanna encourage you in this new season that we would choose faith, we would choose compassion, we would choose wisdom, obviously. We're gonna continue to walk in wisdom. We're gonna continue to follow the guidelines as we phase back in. But I just wanna encourage you that are watching at home that no matter what your governor has said, no matter what your country has said, that even in your own house, you would choose thoughts of faith. You would choose words of faith. You would choose in the midst of fear and and so much hopelessness that you would choose to make actions every day of faith, whatever it looks like. Just taking one more step, starting that online group, starting an online business, starting something, doing something for someone else, faith and compassion, working together. And I believe we're gonna do what Nehemiah did. We're gonna change communities around the world. If you receive that word, give God a honk tonight. Come on, Jesus. 
Well, let's pray tonight. God, I just pray for all of my friends and family out there. I pray, God, that you would bless them, protect them, keep them, give them peace this week. Lord, I thank you for protection from this virus, protection from sickness. I pray, God, for jobs for those who've lost jobs. I pray for hours at work for those who've lost hours at work. I pray, God, for faith over fear. I pray, God, for courage over cowardice. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for compassion over selfishness. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use us this week to be a light in the darkness. Use us to bring hope to the hopeless. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here tonight and you just need God, you need to surrender. You need to get right with God tonight. I want you to turn on your hazard lights. If that's you tonight, you want to get right with Jesus. Turn on your hazard lights in your car. And as you turn on those hazard lights, I'm going to ask some of our team members just to walk into the parking lot. As they walk past your car, they're just going to pray for you. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Paul, I'm right with God, but I could really use some prayer. There's some big things that are going on in my life and I could just use prayer. If you need prayer tonight, just turn on your hazard lights. Our team pastors are just gonna walk down the aisles. I see hazard lights going off across the parking lot. And I just want some of our pastors, our, our team to get out there. Yvonne, if you can, in the very far back, Josh, and there's people on each row, hazard lights going off. And as your hazard lights are on, I want those that don't have their hazard lights on, I want you to just start praying in your car. You don't know what you're praying for, but you're praying for a brother or a sister in the parking lot tonight. You're praying for someone in this parking lot that's connected to you. And they're part of your family. They're part of your family of faith. And so God, we pray for healing for whatever's going on. We pray God for your divine provision, your protection, your deliverance, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are still good and you are still God. And I thank you that you're greater than the virus. You're greater than the shutdown. You're greater than the economic problems we're facing. And God, I just speak light right now. I speak life over this place, healing over this place, hope over this place, joy, joy in Jesus' name, joy over depression, joy over anxiety, gratitude, God. I thank you, Lord, just for a renewed gratitude, a renewed joy in Jesus' name. Peace in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that tonight they're going to know that you're watching over them. You're holding them. You're keeping them. You're protecting them. You're providing for them, God. You've got their back. And I pray for favor, favor with bosses, favor, God, with employees, favor with government, favor with leaders, favor, God, with managers, favor with coworkers, favor with family members. In Jesus' name, most of all, favor with you, God. Favor with you, God. In Jesus' name, God, we pray for those watching online. We pray for doctors, nurses, people in the hospital. We pray for your healing, your health, your strength, your life. We pray, God, just for your peace, for those that are watching all over the world, your joy. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing favor in their situation. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're getting ready to change things. There's about to, the page is about to be turned. There's a new chapter coming in Jesus' name. And it's a better chapter than the last chapter. It's a better page than the last page. In Jesus' name, amen.